Welcome to WISE, a podcast for women introverts, sensitives, and empaths. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, business coach, functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and former private chef. WISE is all about mindset, entrepreneurship and business, food and nutrition, spirituality, relationships, and ultimately living your purpose, all through the lens of the sensitive, introverted, and empathic woman. I know you might feel like the information out there isn't suited for you, but this is because we're powerful, strong, and deep, and we've got potential. Let's begin to let that out right now. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to WISE. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am always grateful that you have chosen to give me some of your precious attention. And this episode is going to be a special one. I mean, you know that I love all of the episodes, but this is something that I have been, you know, meaning to record for a while. I have done a couple episodes on mental health in the past. In particular, this episode is going to be about coming off of Prozac, which I was on for six years. If you didn't know that I was on it or got off of it, now you know. But I want to do an episode or focus this episode also on what it means to deal with mental health issues, especially in the context of you know, life, (laughs) friendship, relationships, entrepreneurship. I think that many people would not guess that I have dealt with a lot of mental health issues and still deal with them. Um, And nobody really talks about it that much. I think that people are more open nowadays, but I love to lend my voice to this because as always, I want to let you know that you are not alone. And if you are feeling something, it is likely that you, that someone else is feeling it as well. As you can tell, I'm a little bit stuffed up right now. So thank you for bearing with me. But I want to be able to, again, lend my voice to this part of life. If you listen to this podcast, it's likely that you have dealt with it at some point. I think that when you're a sensitive person and a highly sensitive person, we are more susceptible to feeling these things because we feel everything, you know, our propensity for joy and sort of how high we can go in terms of joy and positive feelings is often equal to the depths to which we feel the negative feelings. So I want to share my experience and to disclaim and to kind of, you know, start these things, start this episode off. I am not a doctor. I am not recommending that you get off of medication at all. Uh, I am not recommending that you get on medication. These are things that are so personal. I think that if you have exhausted every avenue, which I will talk about in this episode, in terms of mental health and and sort of holistic treatments, then getting on medication might be an option. Obviously, you need to go through your psychiatrist or your doctor in order to get the prescription, unless you... I'm thinking of like black markets in the dark web. Don't do that. Um, But, you know, I think that many of us might need it. I needed it for six years. I might have needed it less, but... I think that when I got on it, I was like, well, this might be forever. And that was something that I fully accepted. And you might have to be on it forever. I don't think that either way is right or wrong. I don't think that one way is better than the other. And I will talk through that in this episode. But 
mainly to say you are not alone. Whatever it is that you need is valid. And also we change through the years, right? So not going to give a lot of updates for the business. We are starting. We have started Intuitive Macros, the eighth round, which is crazy. I am going to be opening up my business mentorship for you know, sensitives and introverts. It is called Noteworthy. It's going to be a group and one-on-one hybrid business mentorship. We are going to start in October. So you can look at the application for that. It is in the show notes. I would love to have you. I am going to be sharing more information about it over the next month or so. We're also going to have a cooking class in October. And that is pretty much it for now. I am also going to be opening up five more nutrition spots specifically for reverse dieting. You don't have to have, you don't have to need a reverse diet in order to work with me, but that's what I'm going to be focused on, focusing on for these spots. And I am going to be my raising my prices over the next few months. So these will be the last few spots that will be available before my prices go up. So you can apply. All the applications are in the show notes. You can also DM me on Instagram at Ashley K. Pardo if you wanted to chat about any of those. So I wanted to start this off by really trying to release the stigma and the shame that has to do with being on medication or even dealing with mental health issues. I think that this is something that is inherent in all of us. I still fight. uh, I don't want to say fight, but because I accept it when it happens, but I often still have moments where I feel shame for needing medication and I felt shame in having a hard time getting off of it. Uh, not necessarily because I still need it. It's been almost 12 weeks that I haven't taken it, but more so I felt my depressive symptoms pop up more through the transition. I think because of the recalibration that my brain was doing, you know, having been on this medication for six years, which is such a long time to get back to normalcy. So like then I was upset and like, why does my brain feel this way? Why have I been given this struggle? (laughs) Why do I have to deal with this? Like, I think many of us feel that and we can be mad at our brains through this. And I think it's normal to have those feelings and be triggered in that way. But as always, the key is how are we going to respond when I say that or when I hear that, when I hear my brain thinking that because we can't control what we think. We can't control our biases. We can be aware of them and work to improve them. But I think the brain is like the nature of the brain is just reacting, right? So I, part of the reason that I'm sharing this is to continue fighting that stigma and to let you know that like sometimes it's a matter of life or death and literally, you know, so please do what you need to do and please talk to the people around you and please try to, with each step forward that we take in terms of like, okay, I'm going to choose to tell someone, I'm going to choose to make a doctor appointment, I'm going to choose to take this medication, I'm going to choose to stay on this medication, I'm going to choose to take care of myself in a way that promotes healing for my mental health. Every single step helps us release shame because we're taking a positive direction forward. And this is just like any sort of change that we're making. We have to garner a body of evidence to support the belief, 
you know, so the belief would be maybe the first belief is like, I can't believe I have to do this. I hate this so much. Why can't I have a different brain? As we continue to take the steps forward, we start to see, oh, I'm taking care of myself. Oh, I'm actually showing up for myself and like doing something really hard. It is often easier to not do anything and to not admit anything to yourself. But as always, that's like a beach ball where you, you know, if you push it underwater, the more force it's going to come out with. So I don't recommend suppressing feelings. I think that that's where addictions come from, eating disorders and other addictions, lashing out, things like that. So please try to continuously release the shame. And as you feel comfortable, tell the people around you or tell your story or tell me. Many people come to me. You know, I did a post on Instagram about my Prozac use. If if you've seen it, it's me holding. It's my hand holding the bottle of Prozac. I can link it in the show notes. And I have tagged that post. I put a hashtag on there of like Prozac or something. I still get messages all the time from that post from years ago. So people are searching for these types of things. So if I just go back to the beginning, I feel like I have always been, I've always struggled. I think that word is interesting because now I would say that I still experience some of these same things, but I don't necessarily struggle with them because I have accepted them. I before I struggled because like I didn't want to do anything about it or I didn't know what to do or I dealt with it in ways that were not productive but I've always been a sensitive child you know I'm not a child right now obviously but I've always been a sensitive person I was definitely a sensitive child I just remember being young and like really being tuned into things and feeling things deeply and not knowing what to do with these emotions, not knowing what to do to express emotions or to speak my voice or anything like that. So I developed eating disorders for many, many years and I drank a lot and I did drugs and I used men in ways that were not productive (laughs) to my life. I never would have considered any of those like an addiction, let's say, besides the eating disorder, which obviously requires recovery. Um, But that was through, you know, my college years and, you know, during college, I didn't struggle with food besides overeating it because I was drinking. So I didn't have any like active eating disordered um, behaviors like purging. I would definitely binge, but uh, the drinking took the place of that. So once I stopped doing those things, I felt like I got more depressed um, I, I felt like around the time that I, maybe a little bit before around the time that I was, that I came back from grad school, which was 2011, 2012, I was really into my private chef job. I was really excited about doing something new. I felt like I, as I was, you know, my focus was on creating a business and really putting myself out there so much in the beginning I was working six days a week, you know, one of those days being my day off, but I would go and do seminars and talks around food mindset. Uh, I felt like I was really focused. And then throughout time, I started letting go of like my drinking, I started letting go of um, partying and really, you know, like doing things with food. By this time, my relationship with food was very healed. I've talked about that before, how going to grad school was really the joy that needed to come into my life in 2011, which was the last time that like I really exhibited any sort of eating disorder behaviors. 
that was what I needed in order to heal. So after that, I was kind of just left with myself. I didn't really have any sort of like substances or anything addictee, let's say, or compulsive, which is what our behaviors do when we can't deal with things or we don't want to deal with things. We begin to become obsessive and compulsive and addictee. We know the vibe of that feeling. And I felt like as I let go of these things, I started to get depressed and I just felt myself kind of getting depressed and just like, oh my God, I'm being left alone with my thoughts. I don't have anything to distract myself. I don't have anything to be compulsive with or to go to extremes with. So I was just left with my thoughts and I was like, I feel really depressed. So I started to do all of the like holistic things. I started doing Ashtanga yoga which was amazing for me at the time, maybe questionable, (laughs) because I felt like that was just another addiction. Um, I started feeling, so I would do five days a week. I would work with a teacher doing Mysore Ashtanga Yoga, which is essentially, instead of the class being led, we would have a led class on Fridays, which is like when the teacher calls out the poses and everybody's doing the same thing. The nature of Mysore Ashtanga Yoga is that you have your own specific practice and the teacher kind of gives you the poses in the sequence. Ashtanga has three levels of sequences that go in a specific order. The teacher would come around and, you know, modify and adjust you. And she would also give you new poses as you progressed. So I remember going to the class and like she, I had done Ashtanga at another yoga studio And I remember the first day there, she took away like half of my poses because she's like, you're not ready. So then I diligently practiced for a really, really, really long time. And I would do two hours of this yoga every single day. And I would also meditate for 20 minutes beforehand. Around this time, I had also gotten into like paleo and... um really trying to manage my mental health by not eating sugar, not having alcohol, not having any of these substances that could disrupt my mental health. Uh, I was definitely obsessive. I did not have an eating disorder, but I was definitely a little obsessed with, you know, eating clean and all of that stuff. So after around this time, I just started seeing that like, oh my God, this thing. And my yoga teacher was a therapist also who I saw uh, a couple times as a therapist But sort of the expectation was like, oh, if you are a witness to your mind for two hours through your body, through these poses that are uncomfortable, you will get close to your mind and then you will feel better because you, you know, it's kind of like meditation, right? Like your witness. So then you can kind of like deal with your mind the rest of the day. And I just found myself like feeling terrible still. Like right after class, like I would feel good in the sense like my body felt good. But I remember I would go to cook at my client's houses after class like I would just change um I would like you know kind of do like a quick little makeshift shower change put my hair up wash my hands and then go cook and I remember like sometimes being at my client's homes and just feeling so depressed and being like this isn't doing anything for me I feel like this is making things worse actually like I'm up close to my mind I hate what my mind is saying And I remember one day I was driving to a client's house. I had kind of a long drive. Most of my clients in Miami for cooking were in Coral Gables. I was on my way to Aventura 
I would just do odd jobs, you know, here and there sometimes. And I was on the phone with my friend Michelle and I was crying. And I remember her saying like, okay, Ashley, like, what are we going to do now? Like, you feel this way. You don't know why you feel this way. What are we going to do? And I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to do something. And around this time I had met my husband too and my ex-husband and he was so insanely supportive when it came to my mental health and my emotional state. Now I can kind of see that he likely took too much responsibility for my state and my well-being, which meant that I didn't take full responsibility. And I think that I put that on him to a certain extent. Um, And I'd be like, you have to be there for me if I'm crying. You have to, you know, so he was like, well, shit, like, (laughs) she's depressed, like, I better be there. But I think that I just used him so much as a crutch, because he was so sweet and so supportive at the time that I just, he was like my you know, kind of like my security, my security blanket in a sense. And I remember like his family would do a lot of like dinners out, let's say. And I remember that sometimes like I couldn't go to the dinner or perceived that I couldn't go because I was crying so much. And I would like be in bed and be crying and be like, I can't go. Or I would go to the dinner sometimes and just be like an energy suck Uh, because I was so depressed and I remember one day him being like you need to go to the doctor Ashley like we need to do something this isn't sustainable and I would just like power through my days like I would just like work as hard as I needed to work do all of the things but still not feeling good but still trying to like eat as clean as possible doing as much yoga as possible and walking and exercise and I would also um, you know not eat as many carbs I would Uh, take supplements and just literally do all of the things. It was almost, I was spending hours per day trying to manage my mental health. And my family was not really supportive ever about my mental health because I think that that generation is not as open um, to mental health struggles. Like in our generation, like people are more susceptible to go to therapy. Like now it's much more uh, accepted to do something like that. Back then it's like, oh, you're weird. Or if you're, or you're like, something's really wrong with you if you're going to therapy. So I remember them telling them like I had an eating disorder or I was depressed and they would always be like, but why? Like everything in your life is good. We gave you everything when you were growing up. Like in terms of like shelter and food and like experiences, but not so much like emotional support or anything like that. And I felt that made me feel more shame because they were like, why, like, why, why would you feel this way? Like nothing is wrong. You have a great life. Like, uh, and that brought more shame because it's like, well, I guess everything is okay. Why am I feeling this way? There is no explanation for it. And I remember one day sitting my dad down and crying and you know my mom is kind of like you mindset your way through things and you just like push forward and like your mind is so powerful and I'm like I'm trying and I am not getting any sort of like result you know or anything like that so I remember one day sitting with my dad at my parents house and I was crying and I was like you need to believe me like things are not good in my mind 
things are really bad. And I remember him taking my hand and also crying. And he's like, I will do whatever we can to help you uh, get better. And I, that's when shortly after that, I ended up going to see a psychiatrist. This was in 2015, I think. Yes, 20, maybe 2016. Um, maybe 2015, one of those years. And I remember going to see the psychiatrist and I had never seen one before. And I thought that like psychiatrists were, were like uh, psychologists and the psychiatrist was very cut and dry. It was very much just like asking me questions, being like, all right, let's, okay, cool. Like no sort of support, just very like very clinical. And that's when I realized like, oh, this is not a psychologist. We're not talking about feelings here. <laughs> We're simply seeing what is going on with me. And I had no idea what was wrong. I was like, I could be bipolar. I could be, I don't know. She assured me that I had generalized anxiety disorder, which would then cause depression because of the anxiety. So I would be anxious and then that would turn into, you know, depressive kind of um, feelings and qualities and things like that. So I ended up going on an SSRI, 10 milligrams of fluoxetine, which is the generic form of Prozac. And I remember that it, I was scared of going on the medication because I was worried that I would lose some of my personality. And I thought that I wouldn't be able to feel things or that I would get numbed or that I would feel too elated and too positive. Either way, I was like worried that it was going to take away the feeling of being myself. And full disclosure, I knew that because, you know, going back to like doing very bad things and being somebody who put themselves in like not great situations, like back when I was dealing with all of my eating stuff and the drinking stuff, I dated somebody who uh, did a lot of drugs. And I, and he, again, he did a lot of drugs and he had them on hand, mainly pills. And with him, I would sometimes like take Xanax. Uh, this was like um, 20, 2009, 2010. Before I went to grad school, this was right when I had my uh, my eating disorder uh, relapsed and actually, no, yes, it was. This was during my eating disorder relapse time around 2009, 2010, sort of like I was working in the corporate world. I moved back in with my parents. So like my eating disorder was active. I was also dating him who's, who was somebody that I knew from high school and we would sometimes take Xanax. We would do Vicodin. So like I knew and like obviously it wasn't good. So I knew what it felt like to be on these things. And I was like, I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to feel numbed. I don't want to feel like Xanax kind of felt like I just had like a blanket over me at all times. And I didn't want that. And within a few weeks of taking Prozac, I started to feel just normal. I started to feel like my old self. I started to feel like I um, could just... I wasn't dealing with the with the depressive symptoms. And it was so interesting to me because so much of my day was spent managing this between the yoga and the meditation and the eating and, you know, the other movement and like just being so strict and stringent with myself. I also wasn't really like living my life. Like I wasn't eating sugar. I wasn't drinking alcohol, which for me, those are 
mainly food, but I drink sometimes. Those were like parts of my life. I was just so rigid. And I was like, oh my God, like I don't have to do these things anymore. And I still maintain them, but you know, going on these things doesn't solve everything. So you still have to, perhaps not with the same intensity, but you still kind of have to maintain the ways that you um, take care of yourself, like movement and eating and, you know, all of the things that we do, I think, especially around our uh, period, if you are a woman, um, hormonal changes are real. Like in the luteal phase, we do not have, literally our serotonin drops. So, you know, the pill that I was on is an SSRI, which stands for selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So it gives you more serotonin. Um, and serotonin drops during period time. So like I would sometimes, you know, before during my period, like have suicidal ideation and just like really intense, bad feelings. And so again, it doesn't solve everything. It's not like you just have to, you can give up everything in it. No, it's not like it makes it perfect. It just kind of like brings you back to baseline. So even throughout this, I was so relieved, but I still kept up all of my self-care stuff. Um, even now I feel, and I think that it has been integral for me to accept this. I feel like I am always floating above the water of depression. Like I think that depression is a part of me and a part of who I am. I'm also an Enneagram four, which like this is kind of part of that quality, but that is also me. Um, it's not like I took the Enneagram test and was like, that's me. It was like, you know, this has always been a part of, a part of me. Um, I feel like so many of the things that I need to do in my life and in my day um, are about just keeping me above the water of depression, like not sinking down because it can, it, it's always kind of looming. When I was on the pill, when I was off the pill now, you know, it's always there. So I have to like do certain things to not allow myself to sink into the waters because it is very easy to go there. And I taught something that's been so helpful for me is that many of my very close friends deal with this too. And it's been, that is everything because I see these women who are so successful and do so many things and have amazing lives who are incredibly close to me who also deal with this too. And they, that's another thing that takes away the shame. And that's another thing that comes from you being open about this, right? So some things that um, have helped me, things that trigger it, let's say, let's go through the things that help. Um, moving every day, so sweating. This is why I'm doing more cardio now. Um, staying off of social media, because it can be very easy for me to like stay in that loop of scrolling. And that is horrible for my mental health. So I have to be very careful and balanced about the way I use social media. It's just like that much input, the colors, the ideas, that information, absorbing all of it is not good for my brain. Uh, I do best when like, and also like from a nervous system perspective, if you look at screens a lot, uh, it's not good. And like what you're looking at is in a close proximity to your eyes. It's not so good for your brain. So we need to also look out in the distance. Sometimes that's calming to the nervous system. 
here in my office, I have a window right in front of my computer. And during the day, I will look out the window and there's like a mountain range there, which is like so crazy to me. I am so grateful to live in California, but I have a mountain range. So I just kind of look at the mountain range. I go outside with Miss Faye. I, it's very, very integral for me to not look at screens, which is tough when like that is my job. <laughs> so really trying to keep boundaries there and trying to be intentional about when I'm going on, why I'm going on, what's happening, uh, and really trying to just go on to post and to respond to comments and DMs. And that is it. I really try not to scroll because I think many of us can get to this place where you're like, in putting ideas all the time into your brain and you're like, okay, what do I actually think? So it's really important for me and my creation process, not only my mental health to not scroll, uh, it is also helpful to like be around people that soothe you and that make you feel good. So everybody around me is supportive. Um, I have certain people that I can go to for extra support. And I think it's important to know who you can go to and who is not good for you to go to. Uh, and be really clear and honest with yourself about that because sometimes we try to tell people to like convince them and that's not the job. That's not the move to do something like that. Know who you can go to, stay with those people, have people close to you and know who is and is not available for these types of, you know, vulnerable conversations. Things that trigger it for me are alcohol, a lot of sugar, not sleeping, and being around people that aren't good for me. So I have to make sure to watch my alcohol consumption, to watch my sugar consumption, to make sure to sleep. I literally turn into like, I feel sometimes like a toddler if I don't sleep. Just like everything bothers me, everything, like I wanna eat all day. So of course there's going to be those moments sometimes and not every day feels like that if I don't sleep, but it's really important for me to sleep. Uh, and I think it's just important for you to be honest with yourself about the things that you need to do in order to make yourself feel good. Literally feeling good and having a positive well-being is your, your number one priority. Desp I know that there are, as, as soon as I said that, I was like, I know people might think something, but given your life, right? So like, obviously, if you have children, if you're taking care of things, like, to the degree that works for your life, try to take care of yourself the best that you can, you know? So those are things that are really, really important. Just kind of knowing like I, my priority in the day is to make myself feel good and kind of get back to baseline. So, and, and another thing to say is that these things are not easy, right? It's easier to stay in bed all day. It's easier to stay on the couch all day. I have one friend in particular that I talk to about these things and uh, among others, but one in particular for this idea that like our tendency is to just want to go back to the couch and like just not do anything. And that is easier, right? It's easier to not move your body. It's easier to not meal prep and pay attention to your food. So many of these other things are very, very active that would you know, behoove you, like you would be, how do I say that here? <laughs> it would be better for you to do them, realizing that they're active, that you're not going to feel like it sometimes. That's why I try to share me on the Peloton with my heart rate up, because like that is something that is very important uh, to my um, well-being. And it, I don't want to do it all the time, but I just do it because it is important to me. And like, 
my job and my life requires me to be my best self. I have dozens of women that I am working with and taking care of for their nutrition and their business at any given moment. And they are depending on me to help them and to be there for them and to be clear. Like those of you, if you are listening and you have worked with me before, even if you follow my Instagram, like it's because of you that I am able to have this life and because of your support, because you allow me to help you. Um, so, and at any given moment, I have dozens of women that are in my orbit that I need to be my best self for. And I don't take that lightly at all. Even like, you know, the people that I am with on Instagram, the people on my email list, like these people are depending on me to share information, to answer their questions. And like, I do not, that is very serious. And in order for me to do that, like, I can't just like check out for a long period of time it's my mission. It's my job. It's my sole purpose. It's so important to me. So this is why I really try to take care of myself because although I can push through and do things sometimes, I'm like, for the most part, I want to be able to feel like I am on my A game and just being my best self. So keep in mind that, um, you know, when you are thinking of those things, really be honest about the things that you need to do. And then kind of accept the fact that they might be hard to show up for sometimes, but by you showing up, you are taking care of yourself and really thinking about that, you know, place of well-being. When I got off of Prozac, I, a lot of this was stirred and, you know, by my conversations that I would have with my partner, Shantae, and I just kicked my, (laughs) I just kicked my trash can, if you heard that. Um, Not, Shantae and I, you know, would have conversations about the fact that I was on medication. And also for myself, I have always wondered, like, what would it be like to get off? It's been six years. (laughs) So I was always curious, but I was always really scared, which is valid. Because I was like, what if I go back to these waves of crying? What if I am, you know, I have this suicidal ideation again? Like, uh, that is horribly terrifying to me. And in those moments, you feel like you can't trust yourself and trust your thoughts. And self-trust is so important to me. So like in the years that Shantae and I have been together, I kind of had shared with her that like, maybe one day I'll want to get off, but I'm so scared. And I think I had always still identified myself as like a really anxious person and a depressive person. And perhaps that's who I was before. And she would always just encourage me and you know, I don't want to say encourage, but she would just kind of tell the truth and be like, you know, I don't think that you're like that anymore, even though you are giving yourself that, that title and that label and that identity. She's like you, I don't ever. And if you know Shantae, she does not, um, lie. Uh, she does not, um, hang out with or take, she's very selective about like the, who she's around and the things that she does and her energy and all of those things. And we spend every day together for the most part, we have days here and there that, you know, obviously we don't, but I see her every day and we spend a lot of time together. And she's like, I've never felt that vibe from you that like you're anxious or that like you have like any sort of like, you know, this anxious energy. Like I don't feel that, you know? And I was like, that's so interesting as the person who's around me the most. 
And I started just kind of questioning. And I remember one time we were in Vegas and we were just kind of talking about this and, you know, kind of talking about how there can be hormonal issues and like those can get solved through the years. So there's probably like maybe two or three times before this time that I tried to get off, but it was just like one day and then I got too scared and I would just went back on. And, uh, I remember that as I was coming off of it, uh, I started by, you know, through the time that I was going through my divorce and the stuff with my family and my coming out, I increased the dosage to 20 milligrams. So as I was thinking of getting off, first of all, I knew I was ready to do it because I wasn't, my life wasn't stressful. So like three years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I needed to make sure that my life was calm and in balance and, you know, that I was ready to do it. And it wouldn't have been wise to do it three years ago. I needed it back then. So I really waited till like my family issues kind of calmed down and I didn't, I wasn't moved. I hadn't moved and, you know, I moved here two years ago. So I was like, okay, now is the time to try. So I went to 10 milligrams first and it was probably like maybe two weeks that I tapered. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just like, um, I'm done. Like I'm going to get off of it and see. And throughout these, it was around the time that I got COVID that I started to wean off. And like I said, now it's been about 12 weeks that I've been off. And during that time, I had a couple instances where like I got really depressed and I was crying throughout the day and was trying to um, just kind of keep myself afloat. But I just noticed like, oh my God, I haven't felt these symptoms in a long time. And I remember telling Shantae this one time that we were out to eat and I started crying and I was like, I'm just so kind of what I talked about in the beginning, like I'm so angry that like my brain is like this. And she's like, have you just taken the time to like feel that anger and like let that out? And I was like, that's a really good point and indication. And so I gave myself the time to just like cry about it and be upset because like, again, even though we might not want to feel shame, it, it still might be there, but I think it's important to express it. Right. So after I kind of had those few times where I felt like my brain was just recalibrating, things felt good. I didn't have any of those extreme thoughts. I didn't have any sort of like, I just felt normalized again while still doing all of the things that you needed, that I needed to do. So like I also took um, CBD from Fringe, my favorite <laughs> CBD company. I love the the co-founder or the founder, Allison Evans. Uh, I really recommend um fringe cbd you can go to joinfringe.com and get it there i also take edibles at night i <laughs> i'm a big fan of edibles i i take them i love them i like i said i exercise i breathe um and really this is where i've settled into right now like and i think the question to ask is like does my life feel normal can i get through my life with minimal friction can i like am i crying all the time am i you know, feeling good? Is my well-being okay? You know, so continue to accept the way that you are. Continue to try to accept the tendency to hate the the fact that you're on these things and then reframe it by with your actions, by taking care of yourself. And remember that you need to do what you need to do. You might need to be on it forever you might need to taper like 
either way, be under the supervision of your doctor and accept whatever is required, even if you have to cry through that acceptance and feel anger for it. Like eventually by getting to the place of acceptance, there's not as much friction friction that we have to do, you know? So I am also thankful that I have this brain, this one that is sensitive and has these, you know, tendencies to go into depression because I know that it makes me me. I am somebody who is incredibly caring and empathetic and nurturing and warm. And, you know, I know that I wouldn't have those qualities to such a big degree if I wasn't also like this, right? So that's something for you if you have ever felt the feelings that I felt about this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and answer some questions that I got. Uh, We are wrapping up. We're almost done. Uh, Somebody asked, did you get any crazy brain zaps? No, I never did that. Uh, I just got on the Prozac, didn't get evaluated. Obviously, okay, if you had to go through that, but nope, never went through that. Um, Somebody said, I'm on Zoloft for gut reasons and it's helped me so much. Afraid to stop. You might not stop. You know, you might not but that might not be available to you, at least for right now. So if you feel like you are afraid to stop, you're likely not ready to stop, which is okay. I went through that too. And I waited until I felt ready and prepared. And that was when my life, you know, settled down a little bit more. Um, How did you know it was the right time? Because I felt like I felt pretty even and I felt like I didn't have a lot of extra stress in my life and I didn't need that extra support in that way. And things are good. Like my business is great. Things are great with my relationships. Um, I love where I live. I love my job. <laughs> I love what I do. I, I, I'm happy. Um, so that's how I knew that it was the right time because I felt balanced, didn't have a lot of extra stress, and I felt ready to do it. Uh, next question. Did you have someone check in with you to make sure you were okay? How often? So like I said, I, I didn't really tell anybody when I did this. I think I told Shantae like a week later. And she was the only person that knew for a while. Uh, I also told my friend Kim uh, and my friend Jamie. They were the ones that knew that I was going through this. And I told them that I was kind of in the midst of, you know, having a few of those depressive feelings. But Shantae knew that, that I was going off of them. And I expressed to her that I needed her to just check in with me, have a little bit more attention for this during this time period. I think you have to tell people what you need uh, if you're going through this. I think that they can support you to the degree that they know how, but I think it's also okay to say like, hey, I need you to do this. I might need extra reassurance during this time. I might need, again, just check-ins. So I would see her every day and, you know, she was supportive in that sense did you switch to a natural supplement? How did I know it was the right time? So right time again, like I said, cause I was, cause everything felt pretty good in my life. Natural supplements that you can take are amino acids. You can also take 5-HTP. Uh, you cannot take those, you cannot take 5-HTP if you're on a medication. I'm also considering microdosing. I have ma- mushrooms. I have macrodose mushrooms many times, had amazing experiences um, there. But now I am ready to try microdosing. I don't know how to get them. So I will keep you posted on that entire journey. Um, 
I had a bad, next question, I had a bad flu getting off of mine. Does it persist? Those are likely withdrawal symptoms. My withdrawal symptoms were likely mental. Uh, I didn't really have any sort of like physical withdrawal symptoms, but having a feeling of a flu is a typical physical withdrawal symptom. So I would try to write it out under the supervision of your doctor if you are, you know, feeling good mentally and wanting to get off of them it will go away, right? Like symptoms of withdrawals, like obviously some people need support like alcoholics and drug addicts, like through that process, cause it can be like deadly. So you need to get support through that is like obviously what happens in rehabs. Um, but I believe that it will not persist, but get the support that you need to. Um, it's just, again, bodies know bodies are wise. They will react in the way, like nothing is by accident. They will react in the way that they need to in order to keep you in balance. And by removing this thing, it's a stress. So it's important that you, um, you know, do the things that you need to do and get the support that you need to through that process. I'm going to wrap this up right now. I know that uh, we went through a lot of different things here, but I wanted to provide you this episode again to explain my process of getting on and getting off antidepressants. And the next part of this is to know that if you are somebody like me who is kind of predisposed to depression, that I'm thinking about how I want to say this, that it's okay that you are like this. It's okay that your brain is like this. Uh, There's so many of us that feel this way. I promise you, all we can do is do the things and stay active about the things that you need to do in order to stay well. Get on top of it. Stay on top of it. Exercise. Breathe. Do the things that make you feel good. Stay active. Depression does not, depression thrives most in isolation, right? So like my tendency is to want to isolate and just be alone. And like that isn't good. It's also good to like be social. So I will make friend dates far in advance to have dates set that I can look forward to and that I can, you know, be in connection with people. That is so important to me. Like I need intimate relationships, deep relationships with my friends and people and people that I stay in contact with. Like depression cannot thrive in that environment as much. So know what you need, know if you need to be around people, know that if you what you need to eat or not eat know the way that you need to move your body and then just continue to accept it and do it no matter how hard it is because your well-being matters. Your positivity matters. We need you. If you resonated with this episode, please let me know. If you have any questions, please let me know. I am an open book and happy to answer whatever it is that you need. In the meantime, continue to take care of yourself. Continue to Do the hard things that your best life requires. And I am here if you need anything, truly. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening to WISE. If you want to get in touch with me, or if you want to submit a question to be answered on this podcast, please send me a DM and follow me on Instagram at Ashley K. Pardo. I love hearing from you. My DMs are always open. 
And as always, if you enjoyed the show, please share it with somebody that you love and leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. <laughs>